Hello and welcome everybody to this week's Dev Central Connects. My name is Boo, one of your community evangelists with the F5 Dev Central community team. Really looking forward to this chat today. We're going to be chatting with Jason Rum, another community evangelist with the Dev Central team. Um, and he's been doing some interesting content lately as we kind of refocus and reshuffle for the, the new year of 2023. And so excited to chat with him about that. I'm going to bring him on actually very shortly here. So just uh, leading up to that, just wanted to remind everybody, uh, wherever you're watching from right now, you might be catching us from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, from LinkedIn. Um, you might be listening to this via podcast right now. There's all sorts of ways to be able to consume this content at this point. So wherever you are watching from, if you haven't already, please follow, please subscribe, hit the like button if possible. Um, check us out on podcast format as well. So we're on Google, Apple, uh, and Spotify. Leave us a five-star review. That helps us out quite a bit uh, as we try to grow that medium as well. So um, without further ado, I am going to bring on Jason in a second here when I find the button. There he is. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing well. Hello, 2023. Yeah. I, you know, I think this is my first time on this year. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we are, you know, uh, we've been discussing it with Aubrey already last week. 2023, we're reshuffling based on some feedback. We want to make sure we deliver all that exciting content to people in the way that, that folks want. So doing the audio podcast drilling down deeper into the security content, which Aubrey is doing with This Month in Security um, and, and other security content that he's focused on as well. Um, and then Jason, you've been kind of doubling down on specific type of uh, specific type of content that you started at the end of last year. So maybe we can go over what you've been doing there. Sure, yeah. So I, I really wanted to get back into the, the hands-on uh, get everybody together and let's just solve a problem. And so we uh, did a couple different uh, live live coding sessions and and they've been a lot of fun and we're going to continue that this year. It's not always going to be eye rules and eye control. We're going to move on to some other things as well. And in fact, I've got, uh, I guess there's a little bit of eye control in it, but uh, looking at packet captures and what, what we can do with packet captures from an automation perspective uh, with Big IP. And, uh, and so... Uh, I have two live sessions coming up in January. One is going to be later this week. In fact, it's going to be Thursday at, uh, I think it's 11 a.m. Pacific. Uh, you can get the details a little bit later today on on the Dev Central community groups at community.f5.com. Details will be posted there, uh, but we're going we're gonna to dig into uh, a thing called the uh, advent of code. And every December, uh, a, a, a group, I don't know if it's a group or an individual that does that, but it's it's a tremendous learning exercise. If you, uh, if you are a, a network uh, background person like me, uh, you get lost somewhere around day eight or nine because everything is, uh, it really dives into uh, pure computer science, uh, you know, data structures and algorithms. And if you don't know those, um, you, you don't even recognize the patterns. And so uh, my, one of my goals for this year is actually to take this year's advent of code and and work through all the exercises uh, from beginning to end and actually learn the algorithms and and look out and and because uh, like there's a breadth first search and uh, there's a um, even one that somebody solved using uh, Dijkstra's algorithm, which for the network people among us know, you know like from, uh, <laughs> excuse me, uh, like OSPF and 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 other, you know, router hop path uh, algorithms. And so uh, using those to solve real problems. And so. If you, if you are not a computer science backgrounded person, 
but you are interested in learning those things and, and taking your, you know, automation scripting to the next level, especially as you get to scale, knowing those things are important. And so that's, uh, that's one of my goals uh, for this year. But anyway, back to the point of looking at that uh, on Thursday, we're just going to take what I solved uh, in Python uh, for day one or two. I, I took one that would be compelling, and I think I could solve it in iRule. And uh, I'm taking it from, uh, I did it, solved it in a Python perspective. We're actually going to take an iRule, and we're going to solve it in iRule, or at least attempt to solve it in an iRule. So it'll be a lot of fun. And then one we're going to take a look at later this month is I just made an update to the PCAP utilities uh, on um, uh, on my uh, GitHub repo at f5-rom on 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 GitHub, and uh, took it to a place where you can decrypt a packet capture, and then uh, so we're going to take a, a step further. What I provided was uh, through TLS 1.2. There are additional things you can do to the I rules or not use the I rules at all and use the dash f5 flag on TCP dump in a in a, uh, a database setting that allows you to actually embed the session keys into the packet capture. And, and so then you can get it all in one. So we're going to take a look at that um, on the, it's not, um, so I'm, I'm doing one this Thursday. That's the advent of code. We're going to look at that. And then uh, two weeks from this week, uh, time and, and date unknown. But, you know, after I get back from a cruise that I'm taking with my boys and my wife, um, which will we'll get out of winter and, and go enjoy some, uh, Miami and Bahamas sunshine and, and heat. Um, but after the week after that, then we're going to take a look at, uh, can we solve, uh, the, the other steps of the, the packet capture and, and be able to take a packet capture on big IP, download the files, the keys, decrypt it so that you can click on the file and you're good to go. You don't have to mess with any of that stuff. Yeah. That's such a cool community project as well. Like, um, you know, involving other people and, and taking in code and collaborating on something like that. That will be pretty cool. Yep. Um, same with the advent of code too. That one's a cool one. I, you know, I, 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 uh, I think I joined you on that for like, I think I lasted about two or three days, uh, <laughs> the time I did it the previous year. Um, and I think you got much further than I did. Did you finish it this year? I have not finished it. No, I, I, I solved both. So in the advent of code, they, they present a problem and it's always in the, the perspective of elves and reindeer trying to get from the beginning of the, the, uh, the month to actually Christmas so they can deliver gifts and, and, and all that. And so all the challenges are always, uh, built into that kind of story. And I got through, uh, and they do two challenges a day. You have your first challenge and then the second challenge. And usually the second challenge is an extension or, or some kind of a shift from the first challenge. And, uh, and then as you get into the later days, if you don't solve the first challenge well, um, or set yourself up kind of thinking where they might take us, then you're kind of rewriting your first one to be able to complete the second one. So I, I think I got fully through day nine. I solved uh, part one on a few days after that. And then about we got to day 16 and I, I couldn't even really understand what they were asking, let alone coming up with a solution. So yeah, I, I kind of petered out after that. And, and I, I still read the daily solution, just to kind of think through it just as a thinking exercise. But yeah, it, it was, it was, it was too much for me. One of the last ones I solved, I know, um, I, my code was not very efficient. And you talk about I rules is all about efficiency, right? Because you have potentially hundreds of thousands of connections per second coming through your big IP. And so you can have an I rule that solves the problem, 
but you might have to buy 15 or 16 or, or 30 big IPs from us if you have really bad eye rules, which, you know, if you need to buy 16 extra big IPs from us, we'll gladly sell them to you. But, you know, it's all about efficiency. And so uh, in mine, uh, I, I did get it to run. It ran like all day long. It was like six hours and, and I got the right answer. And then uh, I'd seen somebody else, they solved it and, and they theirs was maybe three and a half hours. And then they refactored and it was like, six seconds oh wow and so you know it's like you you can really hurt yourself um especially if you have a lot of data and you have to uh, like look through all that data for every single process like if you're doing some kind of a sort and you know then you get into the on and on squared and on log n and uh, you know all the different operational uh, complexities of, of how you manage your data and so th those things uh from a computer science perspective i lack and so uh, I'm looking forward to this year really diving in and, and figuring out uh, more on data structures and algorithms to to help me, you know, I mean, it doesn't really help me in my specific day job because I, I'm not a full-time developer for F5. And so uh, to to get into those things, it's really more side projects and just for my own personal, my own personal learning and, and career growth. Oh, I'm, I'm certain that'll come in handy for you, you know, just going along anyways, uh, going through and learning that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so we've got a couple hellos here. First of all, Jason, your first hello here from O'Fallon, Illinois. Uh, Mr. Peter Silva, the research team is from rainy Southern California. I think you guys are getting a, a storm right now, right? Uh, Leslie, uh, just north of Seattle. We got Aubrey as well from icy upstate New York. <laughs> got Josh from Ontario. I think it's actually a little bit warmer in Ontario right now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and Daniel Wolf, thanks for joining the show today from Frankfurt. Fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I think my daughter's luggage is still in Frankfurt. Oh really? Uh, she she flew back uh, to Germany for for this semester. Uh, uh, Friday into Saturday, and she flew through Frankfurt, and she's in Friedenshafen, uh, which is kind of down on the, I think, on the Swiss border. But anyway, yeah, they still have her luggage, and they haven't they haven't delivered it yet. So maybe you can put in a good word for us, Daniel, at the yeah. uh, at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let us know if you know anyone at the airport, Daniel. Uh, Pasilva, bomb cyclone, or atmospheric river, or whichever. All right. Well, good luck with that, Peter. Hey, we got and a South America. Oh, nice. Jose, welcome. Awesome. Thanks for checking this out. All right, cool. So that's for all the live viewers. If you're listening to the podcast right now, you are able to watch this live. We leave, we live stream to YouTube, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter uh, if you want to interact with us. But by all means, if you want to uh, consume us via audio podcast, uh, please do. Uh, now, you're speaking around, speaking about iRule efficiency. Let's bring up uh, one of the recent things that uh, you published along with uh, Jim Duker here. If I pull this up on the screen for folks who are listening again on audio right now, we have a technical article that Jason put together on community.f5.com. Free to check that out. I rule style guide, Jason. What did you uh, put together here? Yeah, so actually this is almost all uh, Jim's work. I just did some fancy formatting and threw in some snark in an article and called it good. But uh, but yeah, it, it, he and I have been going back. He he actually, uh, if you don't know, uh, Jim, he's the author of the uh, iRules extension for VS Code. So if you are writing iRules in in VS Code and using the F5 extension from uh, from Ben Gordon, 
uh, the two of them are are who you have to thank for that. And so all the uh, all the the linting uh, that's there for for your style mm. uh, in the I rules editor is all all Jim. So, uh, but he uh, and I had been going back and forth, and and he had shared this. I don't really know the context of of the information he had shared, but I was like, wow, the community really needs to to see this. And and so this is. Again, that's an it, and I say there in the first line, it's an opinion way. It's an opinionated way to write I rules, which means that not all of them may work for you. Uh, you may not like some of his uh, his decisions, uh, but it is uh, a guide uh, to give you a framework. Especially if you're new uh, to writing I rules, it's just there to give you a framework for uh, the, you know how you should write them versus how you should not write them, and and some of them are. Uh, you know, potentially, uh, you know, drive conflict between people. In fact, uh, uh, there is some uh, give and take in the in the comments at the bottom, uh, specifically around um, the. If you go down uh, just to, to Kai's next comment, I think it's yeah this one, and so it's uh, whether or not you're going to use uh, the I rules editions of EQ or NE, which you know equals or or not equals. Uh, versus using the um, the e the equal signs and the and the exclamation equal sign, and so uh, you know to Kai's point, and and I uh, agree with him in that uh, if you're doing I rules strictly from a performance perspective, uh, there's a concept called polymorphism uh, with within you know uh, computational solving in that if your uh, everything in tickle is a string. Uh, but the way the interpreter evaluates things is if you have numbers and numbers, it, it will uh, it interpret that as uh, an integer relationship, but because they're strings, it may, if you're using EQ, it may do a conversion in the bytecode, um, and, and you can look at bytecode uh, through, like if you do any iRules tracing statements, you'll be able to see the bytecode and what's actually happening but it'll interpret those strings, it'll convert them to integers, then do the comparison. Uh, whereas if you just use the equal equal straight out of the gate, it'll just go ahead and do that numeric comparison. And so Kai is not wrong at all in that if, you're, if your focus is performance, you should definitely want to use uh, the appropriate operators for what you're comparing. If you're comparing strings, use EQ. If you're using numbers, use equal equal. And so he's not wrong in that. And and uh and so uh what he uh jim jim comes back here and you know talking about it, it his next comments like yeah yeah uh you know he comes around and says uh the you know the difference between the two so uh you know it that's one of the points i, I thought there would be some contention about another point in the style guide that that you know i think there's a little bit of contention at is single line uh comparisons so if you're if especially for people who like to do debug statements within their I rules, you know you might have an if, you know, and you define a static debug variable uh, to set on and off, so that if you have a bunch of logging you do in the I rule that's just for diagnostic perspective, uh, you want to be able to turn that on and off in one place, and you can do that in in a variable that you establish, and uh, you know if you if you have, uh, and maybe scroll down a little bit and I'll, I'll, I'll point that out. Uh, let's, uh, right there. Uh, number five. Um, so his, his advice is, 
the uh wait i think you were down a little bit i don't know why i said number five i think it's uh number i uh, got eight. eight sorry it's number eight maybe i got a little stuck with mm-hmm. the uh the scroll there but uh, number eight uh mm-hmm. so you know jim's recommendation is you know if you have a debug go ahead and expand the 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 condition out and don't leave it all on a single line. Now for me, I, I probably I probably wouldn't follow that particular piece of advice. I like it on a single line if it's a debug statement. Now, if it's ridiculously long, I'll I'll go ahead and, and expand that out because then you know you deal with readability left to right. So anyway, it's a great style guide in that it it puts something out there for you to consider. A lot of them I think are no brainers that that you should definitely uh, do that. The, the doing multiple commands on a single line like number seven, you know, that's a no brainer. Don't, don't do that. Uh, but some of them are, you know, if they work for you, great. If they don't work for you, move along and, you know, doesn't have to be a flame war or, you know, uh, anything like that. Um, I know with the MVPs, we, we, we get into, uh, at, uh, at, at one uh, particular ability conference that we're going and, and everybody got a little heated on, on what language is the best and all that. It's like, Hey, you know, for me, it's use the right tool for, for the, the problem. And I love Python. Python's not the best tool for every single problem out there. Uh, I may make it work that way because I like writing Python, but, uh, it's not necessarily the best tool for the job. So, uh, you, you, you do what works for you, uh, but this is something to get you started. Yeah. Put, so putting this into practice, um, you know, when you're sharing, I rules amongst teammates. Hopefully, I guess, you know, everybody goes, maybe checks this out before they, uh, or, you know, I'm sure if you're already writing your, if you're into I rules, you're probably experienced to some degree with some of this programming, but this might be something that you would suggest every teammate, uh, visits. Absolutely. Yeah. If you, especially if you write I rules in teams and, you know, I guess that's another thing. If, if you do any kind of, uh, you know, uh, uh, versioning uh, of your iRules and you have pre-commits that may look at um, on the Python side there's a tool called Black and it's also very opinionated in how you format Python code and so you know you can have a pre-commit script that will go through and it will say hey is this formatted like Black and if it's not it will reject even before you commit your code and so you know maybe you fold something like that into your iRules environment to where you check for those things in your uh, your pre-commit scripts, and and if it isn't following the styles that that you have um, established for an I rule, then you can kick it back. Say, nope, this is not going to be readable to the company standard. But it also, yeah, uh, e- even if you don't have the scripts, just being able to share code, you're you're going to have a, mm-hmm. uh, a a common nomenclature for how you do stuff. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Leslie notes here, and this comes up with uh, as far as the MVPs that you mentioned, Jason, but for those of you who are unaware, community.f5.com, what we do on there is we have these huge message forums on there, tens of thousands of people on there. And we have a number of folks that have kind of risen to the top of that pile, not saying that they're, you know, above anyone else, but in terms of contributions to the community, we recognize the ones that have been contributing the most. And, and we call that group the MVPs. Leslie is the program manager of, of that. And she's mentioning the conversation that was had around best programming language uh, that, uh, that we talked about there. And it's been lasting for two years at this point. But this group of MVPs, they get um, elected in uh, or voted in every year. 
And so a number of them are longstanding MVPs at this point, and we've, we've welcomed a number of new MVPs uh, at this point this year as well. So if you head over to community.f5.com, um, you know, if you're interested in something like that, there's a lot of benefits to being an MVP, having some contributions back to the community. If you are already an F5 customer uh, and work a lot with F5, even if you aren't an F5 customer, but you have some sort of association where you can contribute back to um, what we're doing uh, on community.f5.com, then worth checking out whether or not you can uh, contribute a few things and, and get yourself nominated to be an MVP. It's fantastic to be able to work with these people and get their feedback on things like our product development and, and where we're going with things. So thank you to all of the MVPs that were just announced uh, just last week uh, here. So check out that article. Um, okay, moving on from that, we're going to talk a little bit about some news today. I'm going to uh, bring up one of the ones that I had first because it has a little bit of a two-parter to it. And first bit of news that I want to talk about today is uh, the headline is Microsoft acquires Fungible, a maker of data processing units or DPUs to bolster Azure. So these news articles, um, they're going to be listed on community.f5.com. You head over to the groups and there is a group called Dev Central Connect. So you can see a show thread on there. We list all these articles on here. And a couple months back, we actually had on Joel Moses from our office of the CTO, and we were talking about DPUs or XPUs. Now, this is some. This is an interesting one in that they're fungible. I I hadn't actually seen the name of before. Microsoft picked them up for around a hundred million dollar. Sorry, a hundred ninety million dollars uh, for DPUs and DPUs. If you're not familiar, we've we talked about this a little bit again a couple months ago, but there are specialized processing units that can um, be used for certain tasks inside of uh, servers. Now, they had a $300 million VC investment, um, which would put their valuation uh, far above $190 million. And so this is an interesting one because, uh, you know, up until... A few months ago, everybody was making money. Whatever idea you had, if it had something to do with cool technology or cybersecurity, you were uh, instantly a billionaire, it seemed like. But uh, times have changed. And as far as fungible, there's other DPU makers out there. NVIDIA with Bluefield, AMD snatched up, Pensando. Um, there's a couple other ones out there as well. So what Joel was talking about was the OPI project or open uh, programmability, open uh, programmable infrastructure project, open source project. A number of these players like NVIDIA and AMD are involved with that. And there's a quote in here saying, um, it's the fungible DPU architecture was difficult to develop for um, and may, that might have affected their momentum. Um, the, the OPI project, what it does is it puts a, a bit of a layer in between so that folks can actually just develop towards the OPI project. And then that will take care of the interfaces to all the different DPUs out there instead of uh, some sort of rev in an operating system. And all of a sudden everything's invalid and you have to rewrite your code or maintain multiple versions of code. Um, one of Lori's, uh, I asked Lori for a comment uh, Lori McVitie for a comment around this. And she was saying, you know what, for, for Microsoft, I think her point here is that Microsoft is big enough that they can take care of it themselves. Like they own the technology stack end to end now. So they'll own the entire cloud. They'll own the DPUs, uh, as well that they'll put into their servers. And, 
Um, she mentions uh, Microsoft and what they did with DirectX. So, you know, DirectX puts a shim across all of that to be able to program uh, nice graphics a- across whatever, as long as it supports DirectX. So um, they're in a in a good spot there, uh, I think. And she also notes hardware matters again. Um, any thoughts on that one, Jason? Um, you know, I, I think the... The hardware, you know, Lori talking about a hardware mattering again, it's like it's kind of always mattered. It's just mattering more publicly because as much as everybody likes to talk about concepts like serverless and, and all that, it's running somewhere. It just might not be your computer, but it it's it's got to run somewhere. And so hardware's always been important. And, and even as everybody got really excited about innovation on the software side in these last really two decades since the early 2000s, uh, innovation has still been happening on the hardware side. It's been happening uh, here at F5, and it's been in the happening in in you know the the COTS space as well, commercial off the shelf. If uh, you know you're not familiar with that term, and and so you know it's exciting to see it kind of be forefront again uh, because that that's always been reality. It's just nice to see that reality acknowledged. And I'm excited about I'm excited about OPI and and where where we're going with that. Because as as general compute has been around for a long a long time, and and we wanted to try and fit everything into general compute, there's a reason why uh, all of these uh, startups uh, are happening. Is because some things just don't work well in general compute, and having purpose built hardware is always going to be an important thing. Yeah, people turn it into a business differentiator, and so. Now you have DPU capabilities inside of Azure and you can harness, um, you know, you can, your infrastructure is taken care of, your DPU hardware is taken care of, and then you can develop against it and create your business differentiator. No different than F5 with Big IP and the differentiations that we've had inside of our hardware that have allowed us to leapfrog past competitors using uh, our hardware as an advantage in, in many scenarios. Um, this is a, opens up possibilities for for folks so very cool to see um that uh, vote of confidence from a microsoft interest it'll be interesting to follow what they do there um one more article that i'll bring up jason you uh brought up this one here web hackers versus the auto industry critical vulnerabilities in ferrari bmw rolls royce porsche and more yeah and, and more means pretty much all of them and it's <laughs> so uh yeah if you if you get a chance go out and read this article it's just one of those things to where we're not even making it hard for people to to steal our data, and uh, and and this comes back to the the most striking thing here is the you know the internet of, or the Internet of Things uh, type technology, and it's like hey let's create this thing let's sell it to a bunch of people and let's not really worry about security at all and and that's that's really the gist of uh, at least the the Hondas Hyundai's you know, um, Kias of the world, the ones with the Ferrari, BMW, Rolls Royce are are a little bit different, but there's a, you know, a general IOT functionality with, with remote access and remote starting and and all that, uh, that a lot of the, you know, the more common auto vendors here that we're familiar with, uh, at the kind of the, the standard level here in America. And, and it's just, you know, you use that one technology, and as long as that particular uh, company has that technology, they can walk up, read the VIN 
uh, do some stuff and boom, they've opened the car. They started the car. They've taken my car. And also, by the way, they got all your personal data that's attached to that VIN uh, as well. And so, you know, it's scary stuff. And, and uh, I, I'm, I'm amazed that I, I guess I'm not amazed because security is hard because you got, you, you've got to care. And, and, you know, at the beginning of a lot of efforts, it's dollar signs alone. And, and I know uh, from talking to some individuals at some companies that all will remain nameless, uh, they do risk analysis for that. And it's like, well, uh, even if this comes back to bite us, we still yeah. make money. And so uh, the risk is worth it to, to not care about security, which is a shame. Yeah. Especially, you know, it's one thing to steal somebody's uh, Honda Civic. It's another thing, I think, to steal somebody's Tesla semi-truck with a container full of, I don't know, a bunch of electronics or something. Like immediately the value of that vehicle that has been hijacked or whatever is going to happen to it um, has increased by a hundred or a thousand fold. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we are at the top of the hour, so we will shut things down from here. Thank you very, uh, thank you very much for joining me today, Jason. Yep, for sure. Thanks for having me. And for those that are going to be around at 11 a.m. Pacific uh, this week, uh, join me for a look at Advent of Code, I rule style. Yeah, fantastic. Be sure to check out uh, community.f5.com. Jason's going to have more info around that on there. All of the news articles that we talked about today, they'll be on there as well. Um, a link to the iRule style guide will be on there. And there's a number of articles that we did not get to talk about today. So join us in some conversation on the show thread after this as well. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, everybody, for watching today. Be sure to like and subscribe, and we will see you all next week. See y'all. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye.